The text that I would like to call your attention to today could be found in Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 3. Jeremiah, chapter 3. But before we get to the text, we'll be starting in verse 12, but before we get to the text, we want to say that faithful shepherds are a gift from God. Faithful shepherds are a gift from the Lord. What do we mean when we speak of shepherds in the Christian church? Well, a little bit of Old Testament background will help. So last week, we finished up our time in the book of Ruth. And we saw in Ruth the genealogy uh, that was there at the end and how God sovereignly restored the line of Elimelech after his disobedience how God restored this line, and how this line ultimately led to David. David, the king of Israel. And we talked a little bit about how God made a covenant with David, and how this covenant foretold of another coming king, King Jesus. But in that covenant, God said this, I took you from the pastures where you were a shepherd and made you a leader of my people. Psalm 78 clarifies a little bit where we read that God took David from shepherding sheep to shepherd his people. And as we look throughout the Bible, we see that there's a strong association with shepherding and the oversight of God's people. In the ancient world, as we talked about with the children this morning, a shepherd's main concern was to provide for the flock and to protect the flock. The role of a shepherd is a good illustration of what a leader of God's people does. The pastor, the spiritual overseer, the, the, the one who shepherds God's people. This theme, it runs from the Old Testament to the New. Moses was a shepherd when God called him to go and lead Israel out of Egypt. He was shepherding the flocks in Midian. He led sheep, and then he led the children of God. Moses led Israel throughout the Exodus, just as a shepherd would lead a flock. David was a shepherd. We read that he rescued the flocks from lions and bears. And when we first meet David, what is he doing? He is faithfully tending his father's flock. Contrast that with Saul. The first time we meet King Saul, the first king of Israel, he's doing what? He is running throughout the countryside trying to gather and find his father's donkeys. That's an intentional comparison that the Bible gives us. It's an intentional lesson. We have one man who is running throughout the countryside trying to gather the donkeys and find them, and then we meet another man who is faithfully tending his father's sheep. Saul is removed as king, but David goes on to shepherd Israel. Psalm 78 states that God took David from the sheepfolds to shepherd God's people. This shepherd boy would become the standard of king in ancient Israel. There are plenty of shepherds. One of my favorite is Amos. He's a prophet from Judah, from the southern country to the northern. And what's interesting about Amos when we look at prophets of the Old Testament is he didn't go to prophet school. He didn't go to school to be trained as a prophet like a lot of them. No, he was a shepherd. But he was a shepherd who was loyal to God. And God called him from the sheep for a time to go to the northern kingdom and preach to them 
repentance. Then we get to the book of Jeremiah. And when we get to Jeremiah, we see that the shepherds of God's people had turned away from serving God, from feeding the flock, and begun to feed themselves. We read that the shepherd of Israel had ceased feeding the flock and instead had fed themselves. And Jeremiah ministers in this context, and he ministers to God's people in a time of great unfaithfulness. The people of God were unfaithful to the covenant. The leaders were corrupt. And Jeremiah calls the people to repent of their unfaithfulness or face the consequences of their sin. But while there is a great theme of judgment in Jeremiah, there's also a great theme of hope. Because in the middle of all of this rebellion, in the middle of this coming exile, God tells the people that he would bring them to Zion, that during this time of restoration, God's presence would so pervade the people of God that they wouldn't even need to remember the Ark of the Covenant. And that he would give this faithful remnant, faithful shepherds, to lead them. Would you look with me at Jeremiah chapter 3, starting at the end of verse 12. Today we're going to focus on verse 15, but I'm going to read a little more to give context of the verse. We read, Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look on you in anger, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt, that you have rebelled against the Lord your God, and scattered your favors among foreigners under every green tree, and that you have not obeyed my voice, declares the Lord. Return, O faithless children, declares the Lord, for I am your master, and I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And when you have multiplied and have been fruitful in the land, in those days, declares the Lord, they shall say no more. The ark of the covenant of the Lord, it shall not come to mind or be remembered or missed. It shall not be made again. In that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of God, and all the nations shall gather to it, to the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem. And they shall no more stubbornly follow their own evil heart. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, there is a lot that could be said of this passage in its original context and how it relates to the new covenant. But what I want us to see today and what I want us to examine is that this passage teaches us that faithful shepherds are a gift from the Lord. In today's passage, we see two traits of faithful shepherds God gives his people. And amid the the, the chaos and the unfaithfulness of Jeremiah's time, we see that the Lord promises to give faithful shepherds. Faithful shepherds to those who are truly his people. And we find two traits of these faithful shepherds. First, faithful shepherds are loyal to God. Second, faithful shepherds feed the flock of God. Faithful shepherds are loyal to God. Look with me at verse 15, which will be our focus today. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart, 
who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now, in the English Standard Version, we read shepherds after my own heart. And it's a good translation of the Hebrew text. But I think the Christian Standard Bible is helpful in helping us understand what Jeremiah means here. In the CSB, we read, I will give you shepherds that are loyal to me. A faithful shepherd's loyalty must lie first and foremost with God. A shepherd must be first and foremost loyal to God if he is to be a good shepherd. And shepherds follow their master's instruction. A shepherd doesn't go into the field and do whatever he wants with the flock, but he is loyal to the master and follows the master's instruction. Early in my ministry here at White Cliff Church, I was confronted with the charge on multiple times that if we were to follow what the God says in any given area or in different areas, that it would be unloving to individuals. If we engage a person about their open sin, then that's unloving. If we claim, the, the, the claim here was that the best thing we could do for them is just keep being nice, keep telling them we care about them, and allow them to continue in their sin. Because, as the argument would say, I believe wrongly, Jesus would just love them. Friends, shepherds must first and foremost be loyal to God and his perfect instruction. As John Gill, the old Baptist, says, these men of God, he says about this text, pastors who are conformed to the mind of God will seek to do God's will. A faithful servant of God is loyal to God. A true shepherd understands that his loyalty lies with the one who owns the flock and follows his guidance. Not by walking with stubborn sheep into further peril. If we walk alongside someone in their sin and allow them back into their sin and just just walk with them as they continue down that road, we not only are unfaithful to God, but we show that we do not love that sheep. By allowing the sheep to continue into danger, the unfaithful shepherd demonstrates lovelessness both to the sheep and to the one to whom he belongs. He's feeding himself because he's safeguarding his own safety temporarily. He wants to be liked. But the true, the faithful shepherd, when there is a problem in the church, the faithful shepherd goes to God's word to learn what to do. When there's a question over practice, the faithful shepherd goes to God's word. He does not sit by when the flock veers off course. Because God's word says clearly to spiritual overseers that they are to reprove, that they are to rebuke, that they are to exhort with all patience and teaching. 2 Timothy 4. When there's an issue of sin... This faithful shepherd confronts it with truth and with grace. His desires to honor God and see this fallen brother or sister restored in all of these issues, the shepherd takes orders from the one who enlisted him, as Paul tells Timothy. Today, 
we install two men as elders. And in the past days, these men were tested by a panel of ordained Baptist ministers, and they did well. And afterwards, as we went back to the parsonage where the men were staying with our family and we were discussing around a table, one of the things that one of the men said that he appreciated about these two men, about Jerry and about Guy, is that when you ask them a question, even if they didn't open their Bible, they just instinctively reached for it. This Baptist minister noticed that as they were answering their questions, they would pick up their Bible and almost shake it and say, we got to stick to this. That's what we look for in a shepherd. But not only shepherds, every single one of you, if you are indeed in Christ, must have your mind held captive to the Word of God. Anytime you find yourself saying, yeah, but, when God's instruction is read, stop. Halt. Do an about face. Anytime you find yourself contradicting God's word with secular reason, anytime you find yourself pointing to the federal government, anytime you find yourself quoting corporate business techniques instead or in opposition to God's word, halt. You are off course, my friend. Do an about face. Do not blaze a new trail, but go back to the well-worn path that is God's word. Jeremiah wrote that God's people must look. They must ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. Walk in it and find rest for your souls. Friends, stay on the well-worn path. Stay on the ancient path that is God's word. Faithful shepherds are loyal to God. They seek, uh, they, they seek practice in what they should do from God's word, and faithful shepherds feed the flock. Look with me at the end of the verse. God will give you shepherds after his own heart, but also shepherds who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Faithful shepherds feed the, feed the flock with knowledge. They know the truth, and they share the truth. They teach the truth to the flock. They feed the flock not with food of their own making, but with the substantial truth of the gospel and the solid meat of God's word. A shepherd must know the truth. A shepherd rightly divides the word of truth, and he teaches the truth to the church. A faithful shepherd feeds the flock by knowing knowledge and by giving knowledge. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus told his disciples to come away with him to a desolate place. If you were here last year, you may remember this story, or you may have read it for yourself. But, but Jesus tells the, the, his disciples to follow him, to come with him away to a desolate place. And they will rest after a period of ministry. And what happens? The crowds follow him. The crowds follow him. And what does he do? Does he say, y'all, get out of here. This is my time to relax. No, he has compassion on them. Why does he have compassion on them? Because he said they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees these sheep without a shepherd and he has compassion on them. And what is the first thing he does? Well, Mark tells us he begins to teach them. So in other words, following the pattern of our Lord in this, in this story, that his inclination when he sees these shepherdless sheep, the first thing he desires to do is to teach them God's word. 
At the moment when approached by shepherdless sheep, Christ decided the people's greatest need was to be taught, and Christ fed them the word of God. It reminds me of another story in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, we see that Israel, after the time of exile, is rebuilding Jerusalem, and there's this scene where uh, the people have gathered and the priests are teaching them. And in Nehemiah 8.8, we read the priest read from the book, from the law of God. Clearly, they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. We find in this Old Testament story that the, the leaders, the shepherds of Israel are standing up, they are reading from God's word, and they are explaining it to God's people. This is the same pattern we just saw in the first century synagogues. A passage would be read, the shepherd would teach, read the text, explain the text, apply it to the people. A shepherd knows God's word, he teaches the flock. A shepherd has knowledge of God's word, and he shares that knowledge with the flock. But a skillful, a faithful shepherd also feeds the flock with skill. Every local church needs skillful shepherds. The church needs those who seek to grow in their calling as they oversee God's people. In his first letter to Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy that he is to grow in his calling as a minister. Timothy is to not neglect the gift he has been given, but he is to practice his craft. He is to immerse himself in his calling. The congregation should see him progress in his calling and growing. A faithful elder does not sit back on his haunches and trust his gut. A faithful shepherd grows. He pursues growth. He immerses himself in theology and biblical studies and practical ministries. Our, our, our elder team now, we read through books throughout the year on, on church history, on theology, on how to study the Bible, on practical ministry. We discuss the needs of this local church and we discuss a theological topic every month. Together we grow in our calling and we pray that you see our progress. But a faithful elder is loyal to the Lord and to God's word, and a shepherd's practice flows from that devotion. A faithful elder teaches sound doctrine, and he reprimands those who teach doctrine outside of the faith. In the power of the Spirit, the faithful shepherd seeks to grow. Books on secular leadership have limited value. I remind myself and have been reminded by elders who have uh, that I have submitted to, that my background in the military in leadership has limited value. Friends, you may be an assistant manager at Safeway, but that does not qualify you to be an elder of the church. You may have advanced degrees in underwater basket weaving. Great. When we need a basket weaved underwater, you'll be the first we call. But that is not the same as knowing God's word, as being called by God to shepherd God's people and growing in that call. The church needs men whose consciences are held captive to the word of God. The church must have faithful shepherds that look to the Lord for guidance and skillfully guiding the flock. And these are the kind of shepherds. These are the kind of shepherds that Jeremiah promises the people of God. And with that in mind, I want to lay before you five roles of a faithful shepherd. I'm not saying these are the only five, 
This is the indefinite article, not the definite. This isn't the five roles. It is just five roles. You can read more about the roles of an elder in the pastoral epistles. But first, I want to lie before, lay before you that a shepherd must teach and give instruction in sound doctrine. A shepherd must teach and give instruction in sound doctrine. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Paul tells Titus, a shepherd must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. The church at Ephesus, or Paul tells the church at Ephesus that God gave the church shepherds to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And we see in Acts 2.42 that shepherds must devote themselves to teaching. We see, friends, from these passages that everyone who shepherds God's people must be a theologian. Now, I'm not saying they have to be have a PhD in advanced systematic theology or something like that. But at a basic level, everyone who leads God's people must have an understanding of God from his word. There are not some shepherds who dive deep into their Bibles to understand who God is and how he works, and some who don't have time for all that reading. Just as you would not want an untrained mechanic working on your airplane you should not want an ignorant shepherd. Every shepherd must know his Bible. No excuses. No exceptions. Without knowing sound doctrine, a shepherd cannot fulfill the next task. If a shepherd is called to lead, he's called to know. Because second, a shepherd must guide and protect the congregation. Calvin said that a shepherd must have two voices, one to comfort the flock and another to scare off the wolf. A shepherd must have enough understanding of his Bible to lead the congregation. A shepherd must have enough understanding of his Bible to call out false teachers. A shepherd must have enough understanding of his Bible to offer course correction to those who are are well-meaning but are off. In our day, one of the greatest sins we can commit is to appear unloving. If we call out sin or we call out false teaching, that is the very first charge that is laid against us. However, the most unloving thing we can do, as already said, is to allow someone to continue in sin or allow sin to continue and fester in the local church or allow doctrines that are outside of the Christian church to continue. Now, I'm not talking about disagreements over your favorite translation of the Bible. And I'm not talking about disagreements over whether or not there's going to be a secret rapture. We are talking about teaching that is outside of the Christian faith. We are talking about that which is damning. The shepherd provides course corrections for the flock, for those who simply misunderstand, and warns those who are seeking to lead the flock astray. The congregation should seek to be teachable, yet armed with open Bibles. The congregation should be Bereans with a Bible sitting on their lap, testing everything the shepherd says against that which is inerrant, God's word. Along with false teaching, a shepherd also gives those who are in unrepentant sin, goes to those who are in unrepentant sin and desires their repentance. 
A true shepherd goes to the person desiring their good and earnestly seeking reconciliation for them. And when they repent, the shepherd rejoices. And when they double down on their sin, the shepherd laments. No shepherd enjoys such meetings. But if someone's house is on fire and we do not warn them, we do not love them. Third, a shepherd encourages the downtrodden. And how does a shepherd do that? How does a shepherd encourage someone who is down? Does he merely tell them that they are special or remind them of some inner beauty? Does he tell them to look within themselves for answers or act like their luck is about to change? One author states that most contemporary pastors have turned to therapy for the answer. However, friends, I would lay before you that these pastors demonstrate that they believe God's word is insufficient for the spiritual needs of the saints. Now, I'm not saying that there are not some clinical issues that are best handled by a doctor. But I will say that the majority of the issues that we face comes from a lack of trust in God's word. Why do I say that? Because I believe the Bible is sufficient to meet the needs of God's people. The Bible claims God's instruction is sufficient and is a balm to our soul. Psalm 19 reminds us that God's word revives the soul. Psalm 19.7. God's word makes us wise. Psalm 19.8 says God's word makes our hearts rejoice and opens our eyes to truth. What better way to encourage the downtrodden, the depressed, those who are discouraged, than with the words of life? There was a time in my life when I was going through a bit of a rough patch, and I had to meet with my pastor a few times. To give you an idea of this rough patch, three men that I had served when in the military had taken their lives within a matter of months. And I met with this pastor, and he would listen to my struggles, and he would pray with me, and then he would give me a passage of scripture to meditate on. And I remember as a, as a, as a youngish Christian thinking, that's it? Aren't you supposed to like slap me on the back and say, you know, you can do it, little buddy, or something? But what I realized is that rather than training me to look to him, he was training me to look to my Savior. Because there would be times when I couldn't get him on the phone. But I had God's word, and it's a balm to the soul. It rejoices the heart, reminding me who Christ is and what he has done for me. A true friend, friend, will point you back to Christ, not to themselves. A true friend will point you to God's word, not back to themselves. As Psalm 146 says, do not put your trust in princes and a son of man, because when he dies, he will go back to the grave and all of his plans, and I would say all of his encouragements, verbal encouragements to you, will go with him. But God's word and Christ endure forever. God's word will revive, it will rejoice, it will enlighten. As Charles Spurgeon once said, a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to a person who isn't. Shepherds encourage those who are struggling by reminding them who they are in Christ and pointing them back to God's word for strength and assurance. Fourth, 
A shepherd must set an example to the congregation in faithfulness. Paul tells Timothy, set the believers an example in, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. 1 Timothy 4.12 There is a reason that Scripture uses the shepherding imagery for spiritual overseers. Because being a shepherd is hard. It's challenging. It's tough. I recently heard Alistair Begg speak on this, and he talks about his uncle's sheep in Scotland, and he says that, you know, sheep are really pretty from a distance. He's like, and then you get among them, and you find they smell kind of funny. He says they get into all kinds of naughtiness, and they can be messy and tiresome when you have to lead them. And I say that as your fellow sheep. And all of this, and all of the mess, a shepherd must remain steadfast, strong, steady, faithful, and set an example for the congregation in speech, conduct, love, faith, and godliness. Because shepherds will receive pressure from the world to cave. Shepherds will receive pressure from rowdy congregants to cave. And everything, he strives to set the leaders an example. He runs the race with endurance, and he aims to please the one who enlisted him. Finally, a shepherd must remember that he is merely an under-shepherd to the chief shepherd. In the book of Ezekiel, we read that the shepherds in ancient Israel had decided to feed themselves rather than the sheep. And because of their infidelity, God declares that he himself will shepherd his people. He says that he will place one shepherd over these people. And immediately you think, All right, wait, wait, wait. is God going to shepherd the people or is he going to set somebody over the people? Yes. This shepherd will feed the people and this shepherd will be a prince among the people. We find this promise of this shepherd. This one shepherd that God will send over his people that will also be God, perfectly fulfilled in the God-man, Jesus Christ. The good shepherd, the faithful shepherd, the chief shepherd. In the New Testament, we read that Jesus is the good shepherd. And Christ states that his listeners are like sheep without a shepherd. He tells his disciples to go to the lost sheep of Israel. And that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He said, my sheep, my flock, they know my voice. And when I call, they come. The good shepherd provides for his flock because only he can ultimately care for his people. Every pastor you have ever known, no matter how much you love them, is fallible. No matter how hard he tries, no matter how much he sheds tears over you in the night, he will fail you at some point. But Christ will not because Christ is the chief shepherd. Have you trusted in this chief shepherd today? Because, friend, every single one of us was born into a desperate state. Every single one of us was born into a death sentence. Every single one of us was born dead in sin. None of us are good. Despite what the culture tells you, you are not good. I am not good. But we were all born dead in sin, and as soon as we are able, we actively join in defying God's law. 
Friend, I don't care if you are a pastor's kid, that you were born in a back room at a Billy Graham crusade, and if your first word was justification, <laughs> you were born a miserable, depraved wretch, dead in sin, and you need Christ. Every single one of us deserve hell and death for defying God. However, the chief shepherd left his throne in heaven. He left his throne and became fully God, or became fully man, sorry, in an unintentional there. Jesus has always been full in God, and he became man. 2,000 years ago, God the Son came to earth and became fully man, remaining what he was, God. Jesus became what he was not, man. Being fully God, he could completely walk the life that you and I couldn't perfectly. Being fully man, he could serve as a substitute for man. And as the good shepherd, he laid down his life for the sheep. And after being killed at the hands of lawless men, fulfilling the Father's plan from before the foundation of the world, and drinking the cup of the Father's righteous wrath, he was buried. And after three days, he walked out of that tomb alive. And he now sits at the right hand of God the Father. Have you trusted this chief shepherd? Because every overseer, every shepherd, every pastor is merely an under-shepherd, a servant, a fallible servant to him. Turn from your sin and turn to Christ, the good shepherd. Jeremiah reminds us that a faithful shepherd is a gift from God. Jeremiah was called to a tough ministry. Imagine having a ministry where the people were unfaithful. A ministry where the leaders abandoned God's word for other things. Where the shepherds fed themselves. And every time you preached God's word, people got angry at you. That was Jeremiah's ministry. In our day, we see that the Western church has by and large been unfaithful. People fear man more than God. They've abandoned God's word for other methods, other things. And one of the worst sins, as we've already said, a pastor can commit is to be seen as unloving by speaking truth from God's word. In a great time of falling away from God's word, when evil is so prevalent and God's people are bombarded with every kind of ungodliness, what the church needs most, other than Christ, is faithful shepherds. Strong, steady, unwavering, faithful shepherds. Men who will plant their feet, open their Bibles, and say, thus saith the Lord, and point people to Jesus Christ. The church does not need men who are constantly checking the polls or looking over their shoulders to see what public opinion wants. But the church needs men who are steadfast and unwavering, who do the right thing despite the consequences. We need shepherds who will suffer for Christ's church. We need under-shepherds who are loyal to God. The church needs shepherds who will feed the flock of God. And we must always remember that faithful shepherds like that are a gift from God. Father, we praise your holy name for the gift of Jesus Christ, and we praise your holy name that you do provide your people with shepherds. God, we pray that this church would be filled with men and women who love your word and who love Christ. 
We pray that you would raise up and bring faithful under-shepherds in this local church that would guide the flock. Father, we pray that you would be glorified here for years and decades and, and ever how long until Christ comes back here at Wycliffe Church. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.